Good evening. All right. Well, <laughs> we're good. Uh, we're good. Um, we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 58 this evening. And uh, so let, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will we'll dive into our study. Father, we, we love you. We thank you for your grace, for your mercy. And as we gather this evening around your word, we desperately need to hear from you. We need, we need our flesh challenged, and uh, we need to yield to your spirit. We need to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, I, I pray for these next few moments that you would help us to focus in on your word and that it would pierce our hearts, it would change us. Lord, I, I ask you for strength, for wisdom, and I pray that you would uh, keep me true to your word. Lord, I, I desperately need you. We pray for the children and the workers across the street in Iwana. We just ask that you would work in their lives for your honor and your glory. Lord, we desperately long for your presence and for your guidance and your help. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. One of the problems of the church, and I'm, when I speak of the church, I'm not just talking about Shawnee Hills, I'm talking about all believers. And there's a problem that happens. What happens in here doesn't transfer out there. Does that make sense? In other words, we come here sometimes and we feel spiritually rejuvenated. We're worshiping the Lord. We're fellowshipping with one another. We're serving the Lord. But when we go out into the world, there seems to be sometimes a disconnect of that transfer of what happens in here happens out there. Uh, most of the time, people will say this phrase, I'm going to church as if this building is the church. But the scripture teaches that the building is not the church, we are the church. This is the building. And so many a times we have to be careful that we're not one way when we're together in this assembly and another way when we're out there. Because there's an all-seeing, all-knowing God who knows everything about us. He sees everything about us. He knows our motives. He knows our heart, our intent. He knows all of that. And we must be careful that our spirituality is genuine. It's not contrived. It's not for show. It's not for any of those false pretenses, but it is genuinely being right with God. Being right with God. In our text this evening, that is exactly what God is addressing with the nation of Israel. They were doing religious things, but their hearts were far from Him. They were doing things that they thought were spiritual. As a matter of fact, 
it brought to them a sense of self-righteousness. But God altogether says, Isaiah, tell my people their transgression. Tell them about their sins. Tell Jacob their sins. And we would think, okay, now what kind of sins is he going to lay out? What kind of sins is he going to lay out in front of them? All these grotesque sins. But you start reading and you think, wait a minute. These are religious things. And they think they're serving God admirably, but God is saying it's transgression and it's sin. Look with me in verse 1 of chapter 58. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Isaiah, there are times when it, you need to speak up loudly. They need to be crystal clear like a trumpet. They need to hear. Tell my people their transgression. Tell them, my people their sin. And the house of Jacob their sins. Tell them their sins. In the day we live in, people don't want to know their sins. They don't want to be told they're sinning. What is their sin? Verse 2. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God... They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. That sounds good, doesn't it? How could that be sin? I mean, isn't that what God wants from us? Here's the problem. Somewhere in translation, we lose the idea. The idea is they are pretending. They're acting. They're acting like they seek me daily. They're acting like they delight to know my ways. They're acting like they're a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of God. They're hypocrites. They're one way when people are watching and they're putting on this show that they're ultra-spiritual. They use the spiritual language. They even go through the religious motions. But God says, I can see through it. I can see through it. And so the first thing we see here in our text is that acting spiritual is not the same as being spiritual. Acting spiritual is not the same as being spiritual. We as Christians have been in church long enough. We use terms, we use religious jargon, we lose, use uh, American modernized Christian language. And we all catch on, that Christianese, we all know it, right? We can say the jargon. And we know how to say what we want to say to make people think what, they, what we want them to think. Yet we cannot fool God. God knows when we are acting like we are spiritual. And God knows when we are actually being spiritual. We have read numerous accounts where a Christian uh, contemporary or even Southern gospel artist, one in particular in my mind, for many years wrote many songs, great songs, had a great following, and later in life came out in immorality. And there was a history of immorality all along. 
Yet night after night, he got up on the stage and he wowed the people and they thought he was so spiritual, he wrote all these songs. In the Nelson Study Bible, the man that wrote the commentary on Philippians, it came out later after he had written the commentary, the notes in the bottom, which are very good. It came out that he had had an adulterous affair while he was writing all those notes. His greatest work that he did, he will not be rewarded for because of his blatant disobedience and rebellion to God. The examples are numerous. We've heard of pastors who were authoritarian, who have fallen from grace. Mars Hill Church, if you ever get a chance to listen to that podcast about what happened to them, it's, it's, it's appalling. Many other mega pastors who got an authority complex, they're God's man, you can't question God's man, there's no accountability and all this stuff, and they do what they want to do, and their kingdom crumbles. Because God knows when you're acting spiritual and when you're being spiritual. They could do all of these things. They could go, yeah, I'm going to seek the Lord today. I could tell you guys, I'm, I'm going to seek the Lord today. Don't, don't call me tomorrow morning. I'll be praying for four hours. I wouldn't be praying for four hours, man. I, I struggle sometimes to pray 20 minutes. I'm honest. Yet, we feel like we have to pretend to be something we're not. The word for hypocrite in the Greek has the idea. Back in Greek culture, they had drama. They had theater. And in the theater, they would um, show emotion by changing masks. They would have a mask if someone was happy. They'd have a mask of sad and one for anger. And they would put on these masks. And that's the word for hypocrite. That mask was not a true reflection of who they were. It is a mask. And many Christians, perhaps even in my life, I've had moments where I've acted spiritual. I put on the mask of spirituality. I remember one time at the other church I was teaching a couples, a young couples class, and there were about, there was probably maybe 20, 25 couples in the class, and one of the members of the class had brought a friend that they worked with, their friend and the friend's wife, and they all worked together. And this young this couple came in when he came in, and um, I, I'm, I'm saying this ashamedly. I'm not bragging about this. When he came in, he had hair in a ponytail all the way down. And I remember in my arrogance thinking, oh, boy, I'm going to be able to help him. And I didn't know it when the Lord brought Rory to that church. Rory helped me. I didn't help him. He helped me. Spirituality. Genuine spirituality. God knows it from the false. And we have to be careful as Christians that we don't put on the play, we don't put on the mask that we are genuinely concerned with being spiritual. So God says to them, 
you know, you pretend to go in the house. You pretend to do that you want to know my ways. You delight in my ways. Well, we want to do what God wants us to do. And how many times have we heard that? It's always in the interpretation of what God wants them to do. But look down in verse 3. They ask God a question. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Well, first of all, their question is flawed because there is nothing that happens that God does not know. Everything that happens, He knows. And why, why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? The, the, the nation of Israel is looking at God and saying, when we fast, why, why don't you see? Why don't you see when we're fasting? And we afflict our souls. We go through sackcloth and ashes and we do all this stuff. And you don't even notice, Lord. You don't even notice. Well, notice what he says in verse 4. The Lord says, indeed, you fast for strife and debate. Christian, let me just say this. Doing spiritual things for your pleasure is wrong. I had to learn this the hard way. I used to love to argue theology. There's pride and arrogance in my life, and half the time I was probably wrong anyways. I used to love to do it. Until I realized that all of my, a lot of my spiritual studying and training and stuff was so that I could set people straight in their theology. Until God set me straight in my theology. That's what they were doing. Their fasting was so they could debate one another. If you know anything about Jewish culture, they are debating culture. They, the rabbis would debate, their students would debate. That was a form of teaching. They would have public debates. They loved it. It's almost as if they were preparing for the show. Fasting for the show. The show must go on. And he says, as we continue to read, And to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen? God says. When God asks a question, He's not asking the question because He wants the answer or He doesn't know the answer. He's fasting because He wants you to know the answer. Or He's asking the question because He wants you to know the answer. A day for a man to afflict his soul, is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? See, they would put on all the sackcloth and ashes so everybody knew they were fasting. You come to the New Testament and Jesus says when you do your fasting, you wash your face. and You do it in secret and you wash your face so nobody sees that you're fasting. If you're fasting and you tell people you're fasting for spirituality, you've already undone what you're trying to do. You have. Yet they wanted to spread out sackcloth and ashes. 
They wanted to moan, oh, I'm suffering for the Lord. And he says, you call this a fast? An acceptable day to the Lord? See, what we have to keep in mind as believers is our lives are no longer ours. We don't live to please ourselves. We don't live to toot our own horns. There's enough of that in the world. I mean, honestly, when you see somebody that's tooting their own horn and very arrogant, isn't it very disconcerting and very offstanding and yuck, you don't want to be around it, do you? Some of you have an image, a public image in your mind right now, and you're probably right. I'm not a prophet. I'm just human. Is this the kind of fast? Is this what God wants? Does God want us out in the community moaning <clears throat> about how we're suffering for God? I can't eat. <coughs> I can't eat for Jesus. I'm doing it for Jesus and for the church. Doing spiritual things for your pleasure is wrong. It's wrong motive. If you do it so people can see, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna give this to the church, but I don't want nobody to say anything about it. Well, why are you yelling to everybody about it? Churches all over the land have names. Memorialized buildings, memorialized after them. It's a very subtle thing, but church, we have moved away from the glory belonging only to God. Several social media has exacerbated the problem. I mean, you. We brag about all the things that's happening so that we can be better than them. And I'm referring mostly to pastors, not, not you, church, when I say that. Someone asked me a while back, how many people do you have at your church? And Bryce Simonis will tell you, I have no clue. I have no idea how many are here on Sunday morning. Don't want to know. I know who's not here. I think that's important. I know my church family when they're not here. And that bothers me. But you know why? And I'm not tooting my own horn after just saying that. Because that used to control me. I came from a church where numbers mattered. Where every, after every Sunday we had a meeting. You know, what's, why's attendance where it is? And all this stuff. And all the things we had to do. And all that. When I first came to Shawnee Hills Baptist Church, we grew, and we didn't grow because it was anything spectacular. I think people just wanted to come and see the freak show, you know, what was going on, who's the new pastor, you know what I mean? And one week we'd have a bunch of people, and the next week we'd be real down, and I was talking to a seasoned older pastor, and I'm like, man, you know, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing wrong, man. We'll have a great Sunday, and then the next Sunday We'll be down, and, and the pastor looked at me, and he said, do you think maybe 
Do you really think you're doing something right when you have all those people there? I got the message. I got the message. We're prone to that as individuals. We want to do things to make our church look spiritual. But family, I tell you this. If God is not our motive, if Jesus Christ is not our motive, our love, our heartbeat, our passion, then all that we do is for not. Verse 6, he says this. Oh, let me go back to verse 3 because I, I skipped over this because I wanted to read it and come back to it and I almost forgot, but I'm glad I didn't. In fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure. In other words, you're fasting for yourself, to make yourself look good. So doing spiritual things for your pleasure is wrong. God says it's wrong. He says it's sin. The people were saying they love him. They were saying they were seeking after him daily and that they were trying to do righteous and they were, forsa- they were not forsaking the ordinances of God. They were doing all these things, but their motives were wrong. They were wrong. Notice in verse 6, is this not the fast I have chosen? To loose the bonds of wickedness? To undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh. Then, and we'll talk about then in just a moment. The third thing he tells us is you cannot be spiritual and mistreat others at the same time. You cannot be spiritual and mistreat others at the same time. We are so messed up. I can't tell you the times I've been a pastor. Someone's come to me and said, hey, did you see what someone did on Facebook? And they go to our church and they they teach Sunday school or they do this, that, and the other. And I have to tell them, look, I appreciate you bringing it to my attention, but the Bible says if you have aught against your brother, you go to them alone. We want to skip two or three steps. We want to go tattle and get someone else to fix our our issues. We can't, you can't be spiritual and mistreat others at the same time. You can't. And we've lost this. We've lost this in America and it's trickling into the churches. We are such a divisive nation. We, we find things to fight about. White versus black. All these other issues, political issues, Democrat versus Republican. All these things. It's all a fight. My team versus your team. And, you know, if you live in Ohio, the Reds, the Bengals, the Bengals had a year or two where they were decent, but you ought to be good losing. Just accept it and go on. But we constantly 
push and push and push on others. And uh, this has really been a point of contention in my life. Because what we need to understand is how we treat people out there is more indicative of our relationship with Christ than how we sing and act in this building. We, we're quick to find fault in people. Has anyone ever been that way? There was a guy riding my tail on the way to church. And I'll just be honest with you, that drives me crazy. And I thought, in my mind, I thought, you know what? I'm going to put on my brakes and that little Chevy, whatever Impala you're driving, it's no match for this Ford. I'm just going to lock them up, Jack. And that was what I was thinking. Well, behave, behave Bill. And uh, I, uh, I get out on the one four, off of 140 onto 52, and he shoots out on the ramp and goes around me and goes flying by. And I'm thinking, what? And then I thought, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you don't know what's going on. He might be needing to get to the hospital. I don't know the whole story. But, boy, I sure was quick to, to uh, react that way. I, I just feel like I see myself in the nation of Israel here. Sometimes I, I, I read the Bible in the morning, and to be honest with you, I'm reading it. So just in case someone asks me if I read it or I'm hurrying up and getting through it because i got a lot of things to do in the day. I have no idea what I read. It's acting spiritual. Acting spiritual. And God knows my heart. And the times that perhaps maybe at the ball field when tempers flared and I acted out in a way that was unchristlike. That really matters, guys. God says, listen, the fast I've chosen will lead you to be the same out there as you are in here. The fast I've chosen will not mistreat others. It will cause you to love and serve others. I, uh, studying this a little bit, took a little bit of a whipping because these are areas in my life that I need to say, hey, this is real spirituality. Real spirituality. Genuine spirituality. He says, when genuine spirituality comes to you and you have the right motives... You're not acting spiritual, but you're becoming spiritual, and it's seen, it's evidenced in your life, as James says. It's evidenced in your life by loving and serving others and doing your spiritual alms secretly before the Lord. He says that being right with God yields certain benefits. We used to emphasize in churches the importance of being right with God. 
above all else, being right with God. And that's what I call genuine spirituality, is being right with God. And the fourth thing I want you to see in this text is that being right with God yields certain benefits. God says, listen, I'm going to tell you what. If you'll stop acting like you're spiritual and you'll start doing these things and you'll start turning your attention to me, you'll start genuinely seeking after me with a pure motive, a pure heart, and you begin to uh, serve me and then it spreads out and you begin to serve others, there will be certain benefits of that. Verse 8, then, it marks a point in time. Then, when? After you've done these things, then your light shall break forth like the morning. What did Jesus tell us to let our what? Lights shine. Our lights can't shine if we're not right with God. That's Christianity 101. And, uh, you know... You have unresolved conflict and you have people that you haven't spoken to in years and you don't like them and they don't like you and everybody knows it. In some churches, I've been in churches before where you had the Hatfields and the McCoys. You had two prominent families and something happened and it's dividing the church right down the middle. And they say, draw a line, choose a side. That ain't right. We're on the Lord's side. We're on the Lord's side. He says, you do this, then you get right with God. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. That doesn't necessarily only limited to physical healing. That could be spiritual healing. Because if you're in the acting condition where you're not genuinely spiritual, you first and foremost need Spiritual healing. Notice the next benefit. And your righteousness shall go before you. You can't fake being right with God. You can't. The truth will come out. And uh, I think it's Numbers, the Bible says, Be sure your sins will find you out. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You have protection. God will protect you. Verse 9. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. Answer prayer. You know one of the biggest hindrances to prayer is sin. And if you're faking spirituality, that is sin. And it's going to affect your prayer life. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. Here I am. He will say that. The Lord will say that for you. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking wickedness, if you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness. See, the key to this is that we are salt and light. Nobody 
lights a candle, and then puts a bushel over it. No, they light the candle so the whole house can see. And then he says in verse 11, another benefit, the Lord will guide you continually. Is that not what we need? To be led by the Spirit? To be controlled by the Spirit? Absolutely it is. But guess what? That's not it. When you're walking in the Spirit and you're led by the Spirit, your soul will be satisfied. Notice what he says, and satisfy your soul in drought. He didn't say, I'll satisfy your flesh. You don't satisfy the flesh. You gratify the flesh. Your soul is satisfied when you're walking with the Lord. Only way. Only way. How do I know that? Because Adam and Eve hid themselves from God. They knew. As soon as that fellowship was broken, they knew they hid themselves from God. No satisfaction there. And strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you shall build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Man, you have so, and I have so much that God wants to do through us, but first we have to be right with Him. We've got to be genuinely spiritual, not, not falsely spiritual, not acting spiritual. And He closes by saying, listen, if, if is conditional, verse 13, if, Number five, we must turn from doing what pleases us to what pleases God. This is the foundation of everything in the life of the believer. It was the foundation of everything in the life of the Israelites. And what we have to understand is when we turn away from our own desires, our own uh, passions and, and our own uh, self-interests, and we turn toward the Lord. Now notice what he says. Now, Remember, the Sabbath for Israel is not repeated in the New Testament. We don't, we're, we don't worship on a Sabbath day. We worship on Sunday because of the resurrection. If you turn away your foot from the Sabbath, now we'll notice this, from doing your pleasure on my holy day. In other words, the Israelites were good at finding ways around the law. They had ways that they interpreted that they could do things that they would not violate the law. Hence, they came up with original Ten Commandments. They ended up with some 613 mosaic laws. Laws for washing hands, laws for how many steps you can take on the Sabbath day, all of these things. They were appalled at Jesus because he healed on the Sabbath. Jesus said, well, what if your ox falls in the ditch? Well, you could get it out. That was a provision. Jesus knows. He's saying in your provisions, you violated the original commandment. 
But it's okay because you're pretending to be spiritual by doing those things. You're not genuinely being spiritual in being committed, devoted to God. I know devout men and women who have by choice and by conviction, they say, I will do no work on Sunday, it's the Lord's Day. And that's their personal conviction. They believe it and they honor it and God will honor them for that. And I'm not going to be about to tell them, no, go do what you need to do on Sunday. I'm not about to do that. Because they're doing it for the Lord genuinely. And call the Sabbath a delight. The holy day of the Lord honorable. And shall honor Him not doing your own ways. Can you see the contrast? You can't honor Him and do things your way. I know Burger King says you can have it your way, but that might work for a cheeseburger, but that doesn't work for spirituality. It doesn't. And you shall honor him not doing your own ways, nor finding your own pleasure, nor speaking your own words. The bottom line is, if I operate my life on what pleases God rather than what pleases me, my life's going to change. God is going to be preeminent. Christ is going to be preeminent in my life. And I want to do things to honor Him. Not so that I can be false um, religious or I can be self-righteous and say that I'm better than someone else. I'm not. We're all a hot happening mess, guys. We're human. We're all made from dust. And I can't say that I'm cleaner dust than you are. You're dirtier dust than I am. We're all dust. I'm not the standard. Some evangelist is not the standard. Some TV preacher is not the standard. The Pope is not the standard. Jesus Christ is the perfect standard. So he says this. When you turn from doing things your way, I turn from doing things my way, and I seek to do what pleases God, then I will delight myself in the Lord. I, you know, this is... I love this. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that amazing? Isaiah, you tell the people this, that when they stop doing things their way, even though they're going into the house of the Lord, even though they're offering sacrifices, even though they're acting spiritual, you tell them if they'll forsake all that stuff and they'll seek me and they'll, with a genuine heart, move from doing what pleases them to pleasing me, then, I will tell you this, then they will delight themselves in the Lord. Can you imagine how it must have been for Adam and Eve when they were in the garden, the most perfect environment, and God would come in the cool of the day and walk with them. They had intimate fellowship every day until they disobeyed God. 
Could you imagine what it must have been like to delight themselves in the Lord prior to the fall? That fellowship with the Lord and that delight was broken when they sinned and then they hid themselves from God as if they could. Why did they hide themselves? Because they were no longer delighting in the Lord. Why? Because the fellowship was broken and they knew it. They knew it. Now notice what he says. Then you shall delight yourself in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride on the high hills of the earth and feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. You're going to have not only spiritual blessing, but physical blessing. And I love this phrase. Have you ever heard recently people start saying this? I said what I said. You've heard that phrase, right? Well, God says, I said what I said. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. God says, I said what I said and I mean it. So I, I tell you, the remedy of playing church, the remedy of acting the part can all be broken if in repentance we will acknowledge that we're seeking our own desires, that we're playing church, and that we're acting the part, but we're not so much being the part. If we acknowledge that and we confess that and we repent of it, we turn from it and say, God, from this point forward, I'm going to seek to do what you want, what pleases you. I'm going to worship you because I love you. I'm going to worship you with a pure, genuine heart. I'm going to treat people out there the way they should be treated because you are my God. And church, when we started doing, if we start doing things like that, our light will shine so brightly in a dark world, you will not be able to dispute it. There is one thing one thing you cannot dispute, and that is the power of the testimony of a changed life. Can't do it. Can't dispute it. It's indisputable. The nation of Israel, they did things for themselves. I can remember one time in my life, and I don't know why I feel like I'm, I need to tell you all things I've done wrong, but uh, I remember one time I was uh, faced with a challenge in, 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 in giving. Things were tight, and I remember thinking, man, if I don't give, if I don't give this week, man, something's going to happen. I'm going to be worse off. You know, my car's going to break down, or something's going to break down. I'm not going to have the money to do it, so I better give. Has anyone ever been there in your life? You give out of compulsion, not because you love Jesus. Uh, I'm still here today. I don't remember what happened, but I remember God dealing with me with that. Either you love me and trust me or you don't. Right? And uh, sure, I'm sure that it's tough. I'm sure things are going to be difficult. But guys, the fact of the matter is this. Why do you do what you do for the Lord? Why do you do it? Israel did it so that they would be Israel, so they would be the nation that everybody longed for, the nation that had the king. That's why when Jesus was telling them, I'm dying on the cross, I'm going away, and they're like, what? Wait a minute, you're, you're, we're, we're supposed to be Israel. You can't go away. 
When he came riding into Jerusalem, he's coming in to conquer. We're going to take this town. It's great. Yeah, by the end of the week, he was hanging on a cross. So my point is this. This is my point. True spirituality touches every area of our lives. It touches our intellect, our emotion, and our will. And if we genuinely submit to the Lord as wanting to please Him, we'll want to be right in our intellect, we'll want to be right in our emotion, and we'll want to be right in our will. And I am submitting to you tonight that we're better off we're better off to come clean with God and with everyone else than we are to pretend that we're spiritual. True spirituality is when we're right with God, walking with Him daily in the right motives, in the right manner, all for His glory. That's when our light will shine. And that's when we will receive the blessings of being right with Him. May you and I examine our hearts over the next few days. And may we be, come to the place where we want to be genuine more than we want to be liked by people or more than we want to be known as this, that, or the other, but we want to be right with God more than anything else. And when we are, you won't be able to stop the light from shining. Jesus is looking for reflectors. Those who will allow His light to reflect through them and shine brightly. But you know what? You got to be clean or the light can't pass through. Father, we love you. We thank you for your grace.